I'm Derek Thompson, the host of the podcast, Plain English. We tackle technology, politics, culture, history, everything that's happening in the world and why it matters. New episodes of Plain English drop every Tuesday and Friday on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors has everything you need to keep your ride or die alive. From superchargers, brakes, exhaust kits, and more, 122 million parts. eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home the win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusion supply. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Draft Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny Kelly and Ben Solak. Craig is in LA still, so we're in Indy. So we our don't have Craig. the technology to do all four of us. We probably do. We I just mean, couldn't we just figure it out. We're not smart enough to figure it out. Exactly. Yet. So we're doing pods. It's DK Solak in here. We're in Indy. It is Friday morning, afternoon. I don't know. Depends. I'm yep. still East Coast Pacific time. Who knows? So we've seen the quarterbacks and wide receivers work out last night. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. Like, we're going to go through like what we learned, prospects, what we're hearing here at like in Indianapolis. But honestly, we got to start with it's a little crass, but like I don't know how to say it. The blue ballsness of like these scores that came in with that, the timing. Was, where, yes, there was like a one hour period there where it felt like we had seen literally the fastest class of all time in terms of there was like seven or eight guys that ran in the four twos, and uh, Taekwon Thornton actually briefly beat. John Ross's all-time record for the 40. He ran a 4-2-1. Literally fastest 40-yard dash yeah. ever on record at the combine. Um, we, were, we were in the restaurant. We are freaking out. We were at dinner last night at a steakhouse, and we are yeah. like, what is going on? Heifetz, you got to tell the context of the story. So we were sitting at a table near Mike Tomlin, Steelers head coach. Yes. Heifetz saw Tomlin's reaction to, what, who was it, Olave? It was Chris Olave. So for yeah. context, I think... F- 14 guys have ever run under a 4-3 and then three guys did it like last night and we're yeah. like, what? Is this like the fastest class <laughs> yeah. ever? We don't mm-hmm. know what to make of this. And then I, Mike Tomlin's face. I All right, so I'm not going to be like, oh, it's exactly what he said. I'm not going to pretend to lead, re- read lips. None of that. But my You're interpretation... Paraphrasing. Yeah, paraphrase. <laughs> it was my paraphrase of read lipping. But Chris Olave, the Ohio State receiver, runs a 4-2-6 and I see Mike Tomlin kind of look and say something guy next to him, look up and he just goes, I believe, he says... The fuck? <laughs> so it's funny yeah. because when I watched Olave get out of the blocks, and, and Olave ran like a really clean four, he's a very smooth player, no way Typical of, of him. Right. Yeah. He had been talking about running four threes, and it wrapped you out of the blocks. He said about the town, I went, ah, oh, it's not four threes. Yeah. And then it was a four two six. And I was like, <laughs> well, it is not four threes. Yes. So I am you were correct. Right. And then it turns out it was a four three nine. So it even still actually was four threes. It was just barely under the bar. Yeah. yeah wait, so what happened with the timing thing? So I guess so, all those times are unofficial and then Correct. So like to start out, so basically when they're doing the it's all live. They're showing this on NFL Network or wherever you're watching it. Um NFL Network. And the they just have like a guy doing a timer every year. Typically it's the same guy for a long time. And he will be the guy that starts the unofficial timer. So that's the thing that you see on the screen as he's running. Um, mm-hmm. And then that time, they, they put like a little U in front of it. It's unofficial to start with. And then usually like an hour, or maybe like the next day, the official times come in. Typically, they're not like that different. It's like by a few hundreds of a second sometimes or whatever. In the case yesterday, um, they were like much, much faster. The unofficial times were much, much faster, sometimes over like a tenth of a second. Yep. So in Olave's case, he ran a 4.26 originally, the unofficial, and then his official time was 4.39. So obviously that's a huge discrepancy. 
And we were doing some digging around because obviously people were freaking out. People were losing their shit when these guys were all running in the four twos. It's like, this is rare. We've never seen this. What's going on? I mean, there are Olympic track speed, speedsters who've tried the NFL combine and not gotten that number. Um, so we did a little digging around and, and the word on the street, what I found, what I heard from a, a reliable source is basically they have a new person doing the timing this year. <laughs> And he was just basically just a little bit behind on like when you, you start the actual. Didn't get block. his reps in. He new wasn't guy training. Exos in Phoenix. New guy at, like on the TV stage, like at NFL Network. Whoever was in charge of yeah, like the unofficial time for the NFL Network um, <laughs> was doing that. So like basically that's why these times are so juicy because he was, I guess, just starting the clock slightly late compared to the guy who had typically done it over the years. And so um, that was kind of what happened. It's not like a big deal, but like over there was like a hour period there where everyone was like losing their minds because these guys are so fast. Can you imagine being that guy who's like in his first moment like doing the unofficial timer and, a lot like, of oh. pressure. and then like the first and you're like 10 minutes in and you're like and the, the guy's at like the all-time record and like <laughs> yeah. you're the only one who's like oh, oh man shit. I messed yep. up. And uh, it's funny because his you know I'm sure the guy running the production was probably not stoked with that dude. <laughs> and then the guys who probably run NFL Social, who got to tweet all the Chris Olave, 426, Taekwon Thornton, 421, probably like, you're the greatest thing that's ever happened to us. I know. You got kind all of brilliant. this engagement just for two hours of just beautiful clips. It's the fastest ever. And then, yeah, it doesn't matter. I kind of think that it's a little genie out of the bottle because now they realize how easy it is. It's a tenth of a second. It's like, what are you going to yeah. It's, it's kind of too easy to juice these things, though. They can kind of do that for uh, anyway. The so, story that I heard today and Taekwon Thornton from Baylor, who was expected to run very fast, his official time ended up being 4 to 8, which is not an all time record, but it's a very good smoking. number. Um, he, he originally was unofficially 421. What I heard today was that he was like on the horn. His his team was like on the horn with Adidas trying to like lock down like an uh, endorsement deal. Like <laughs> in that hour in between. <laughs> like It's a 421. It's 421. Give me the deal. Let's get it locked in. Um, so anyways, okay, well, yeah. I, I have two minds here. One, we, we can skip the whole debate about this. I just want to just note again how insane it is that like we have the electronic timing and yet we're sitting here like, I can't believe the hand timer guy got it wrong. Meanwhile, right. all the scouts for all these teams compare it with hand timing, yep. which is just absurd. Well, and, and that goes, in, and so I mentioned this last time, they've, it's all about, the reason we come to the combine, the reason they do tests at the combine is because you're comparing these guys to the historical standards, right? It's like the baseline benchmarks that you want to be in terms of speed, all that stuff. And since they don't haven't had like laser timing forever, the reason a lot of these teams they they use the hand timer because that's what they've been doing forever, and that's like how the it, it, you know that's what they have the records for. So I used to buy that, but I'm not a data scientist. But I feel like it's not like that's the only problem. Can't you just put all that data into, uh, you know, can't you normalize that data and figure out the margin of error and then just like normalize it to like the the electronic timing? Yeah, you have, but like, I don't know. you have twenty years of electronic and hand timing. Like figure out what the margin of error is and just apply but it. But then that would make the data guys important. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Oh, and and, and oh I'm God. sure there are teams that are oh doing that. Right, you're exactly. Right. And they're doing that, especially like, you know, when they get like a laser timed 40 from some pro day that they didn't attend across the country or whatever. But in general, scouts want their roles to continue to be important. We know the role of the scout has changed tremendously over the last 15 years. And now like pseudo psychologists digging into guys' backgrounds right. instead of like doing traits. And so they're trying to hold on to the jobs that they still got. And one of the jobs they still got is Charlie Castle looking down the line yeah. with pointing a finger on the button, baby. And the truth is, it's crazy because, like, you think of these teams as, you know, these, like, hyper-efficient, you know, billion-dollar businesses. And in reality, they're, you know, they're billion-dollar lemonade stands. And it's one of those things that's, you know, it's just about power sometimes. And if the, like, kind of in baseball, the nerds are running the teams. And scouts don't really want the nerds to run the teams. They don't want, you know, that's, that's yep. wow, that's a good Well, point. there is okay. a lot of people that look at what's happening in in football, like the analytical, not, there's no revolution. It's like a slow crawl. It's a glacial analytics change, shift. Um, a lot of people will look at what's happening in the NFL and be like, the NFL is like 15 years behind what happened in baseball and other sports, you know? But in part, I think it's the power thing. So like we're talking, I think you're dead. On. Okay. So in terms of the times that actually happened yeah. last night, the real ones, they were still fast, right? Like what oh, yeah. are your takeaways from that receiving group? Who actually, once we got the real numbers for everyone, who impressed you, DK? So I think obviously like the Thornton guy, from Baylor, who wasn't, I mean, we all knew he was going to run fast, but he's not like on everybody's radar yet. He's kind of like known as like a mid rounder, I think, or whatever. But he's going to, I think, that's going to force a lot of people to go back to tape. I was, I already was going back and watching him last night after he ran. Um, I think that's going to be one of those things is like, does it show up on tape? I think it does show up on tape, which is mm -hmm. the kind of interesting part about him. Um, Calvin Austin from Memphis, 
was he had a really good week. Uh, he actually tested out of his mind. He, he ran a 4.3240, jumped 39 inches in the vert, 11.3 broad jump, um, which, by the way, I don't is know what any of those numbers 11, mean. So he's 5'7". 11, the 11.3 broad is like more than twice his height. Yeah. So imagine <laughs> is that like, good? Imagine That's him good. laying down, and then imagine him laying down again, and then imagine him jumping from the feet to the head. Twice? Yeah. Okay, that's crazy. Yeah. Now, it is worth noting, Danny, uh, Calvin Austin did all of that at... Uh, how, how much? 170 pounds. Yeah, he's, he's light. So, um, you know, that obviously you have to take into account. And just like yeah. bottom line, there's not a ton of guys in the NFL that are 5'8 and like put up big numbers. Like Tyreek Hill is basically the only one. I don't even actually know. Is he that short? He might be a little bit taller than that. Tyreek? Yeah. He's taller than that. Yeah, this is this is a 2'2 Atwell redux, which, <laughs> right. you know, like 2'2 was a fun player to talk about. And then he went round two. We were all like, wait a minute. That's too much, man. Um, so we mentioned Olave earlier. He was another guy that was very impressive. He his official time was four three nine. Garrett Wilson, his teammate, ran a four three eight. I saw this from Field Yates. They now Olave and Wilson are now the second pair of receiver teammates since two thousand six to run sub four four at the same combine. The only other duo was Terry McLaurin and Paris Campbell from a few years ago. So I don't know Ohio State knows how to uh, recruit really fast guys. I think is the the bottom line. Right, and honestly, like I hadn't thought about. Uh, Alave to Terry McLaurin until I saw that tweet and I was like, oh, Alave's got some Terry McLaurin to him, baby. He's got a little F1 to him and I, I like that a lot. He's a little lighter, but like same style, same smoothness, smoothness um, yep. for sure. Um, I mean, I pulled out a couple different like standouts from each visit from the last, from the positions that I tested yesterday. Quarterback, I think the one that was most impressive was Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati who he put together legitimately one of the best like testing combines of yep. any quarterback in history. Like he's one of, he's like in the 99th right. percentile. And it's worth remember that most of the really, really good athletes, Malik Willis, uh, Lamar Jackson, don't test. Sure. Because they don't really need to. There's not much to be gained for them. Yep. Ritter was kind of like, oh, he could be a dual threat quarterback. And then he ran a 4-5 flat, 4-4-9 actually, jumped 36 in the vert, 10-7 in the broad. Those are like 96th and up percentile numbers mm -hmm. for a quarterback. And so it's a little yep. bit of a soft market just because like the really, really good athletes mostly don't test. But Ritter proved like he's gotten some Marcus Mariota comps before. This really added a lot of legs to like, oh, you could use Mariota as like an integral part of a zone read offense. And it, it, it makes sense for Ritter. Yeah. Is, well, all right. Mariota is like, Oregon Mariota is a fun comp, but also kind of a depressing <laughs> NFL comp. Everyone right. forgets he had a nerve injury in his throwing elbow. I was elbow, about so to say, yeah. If everyone, all right, is there a non-Mariota guy just because like, like a Mariota, a good career comp for Desmond Ritter? I mean, I like I keep so the two the two comps that I keep coming back to. I I did the Daniel Jones, but in a good way comp because I thought it was kind of funny. But like you saw Daniel Jones, when he's now, not yeah. falling down in the wide open field. He can he can yeah. run pretty fast. Before he fell down in that long run against the Eagles, he was, <laughs> he was running like going uh, like twenty two miles. My exactly. favorite run, <laughs> love that run. <laughs> that me too. It, um, well, it was it, it crushed me. So it's the other guy that I compare him to, I compare Ritter to. I think and has they have some similar traits. Is Ryan Tannehill, who came out of college. You know, he he switched he switched in college from receiver to quarterback. So he's obviously a very good athlete, overall athlete. I would say that Ritter is similar in the sense that he's not like a sudden, really explosive change of direction guy. He's not going to be, in my mind, like mm -hmm. um, like a Lamar Jackson, for instance. Like, obviously, he, Lamar Jackson is the very tip-top example of an um, explosive running quarterback. To me, Ritter is more like he can utilize that speed as a scrambler. Um, I don't think you're going to be designing run game stuff around him necessarily, but I think that he can I use that I think he will speed. a little bit, but I, I hear just, what you're saying. Just to yeah. like keep defenses honest, yeah. but not like, you know, he's not going to be rushing right. usually, 100 times a Usually your running whatever. quarterback just has a much denser build than this, right? That's the yeah. thing. It's like when you go and you look at tall runners like Mariota, like Colin Kaepernick, right? Like Dante Culpepper, carrying 225, carrying 230. Ritter came in right around 210. He's a, he's thin, lanky, and he's, he's a little bit upright. Yeah. And so it is tricky, like, oh, like, you know, short yard stuff. Not really where he's going to make his hay, but if you can get him in a run where he gets outside of the pocket and it's a foot race, that's where he opens up the stride. So it's going to be weird where he's, like, not used as much in the quarterback short yardage running game, like when Dallas runs a little third and one speed option with Dak Prescott. Right. But, like, if you can boot him, and then he can get upfield on that boot. He can go make an explosive, and that's really cool. Yeah, Craig's not here, but I just keep thinking about the Steelers as you guys talk about Desmond Ritter. I mean, I just feel like this yes. is a guy who's, who's polished, and like having that mobility in that offense and being able to to run so much more than they were. Like if the if the Steelers get Desmond Ritter, wouldn't they just be better this year than they were even last year? 
Oh, well, I mean, they could get anybody. They'd be better at quarterback <laughs> on offense than they were last year. Um, the tricky thing with that is that Matt Canada is an under center play action guy. You mean the offensive coordinator? Yeah, the, the offensive coordinator for the Steelers, which sounds great. But unlike the Shanahan tree, he doesn't really roll him out. He likes to keep him in the pocket. And Ritter moves in the pocket well, does a good job escaping the pocket. He can work in the pocket. But if you really wanted to maximize the athleticism we just saw from Ritter, you would want it to be a boot action mm -hmm. offense. So in the AFC North, if the Browns want to move off of a guy, now Ritter starts yeah. to make a little bit more sense. I don't think that the Browns will feel strongly enough about Ritter that they want to move off of Baker, though. That's just like, you know, a nice, a nice happy thing for me to think about for the next so couple who, months. Who in the Matt Canada thing for the Steelers? Like what quarterback here makes sense for them? Jimmy. But Jimmy yeah, G. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. Pickett makes or sense like a for them in the pocket. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, uh, all right. Baby hands at the side. I think a pick <laughs> QB going to the Steelers would be really, really fun. Like that would just be awesome. It okay. Would make sense. So, so look, do you have any other guys you want to hit who who really impressed you or really just changed your mind in a positive way this week? Yeah. So uh, Alec Pierce is a wide receiver out of Cincinnati. He plays for Ritter. Mm, yeah. Uh, and he was a likable guy. He was a, a, a high caliber volleyball athlete in high school and then under recruited in football. Cause he moved Wait, volleyball, like the server guy in the back like or the big jump. guy who hits spikes. I don't know. I don't even know. Phil Dalhauser yeah, yeah. or the Todd Rogers? scouting out his volleyball Yeah, we got to figure this out. I don't, okay. don't even know. All I, I don't even know what the positions are called. <laughs> I bet he's I a know, Todd Rogers. I just know one guy wears a different color jersey, and I really don't even get why he does that. But anyway. Kerry Walsh, shout out. Alec Pierce, uh, 441 in the 40-yard dash, 40.5 vertical jump, mm. uh, 10 foot, 9 inch broad jump. So these are sounding a little bit like Calvin Austin numbers, explosives, bigs. Uh, Alec Pierce, 6'3", 211. Yes, sir. So yeah, he cannot jump size. twice his body. Can't jump twice his body, but but he's he's putting out these explosives in this forty at about forty more pounds than Austin did, and that means a lot to me in terms of adjusting uh, that that uh, speed score. Which is something we talk about, which is a weight adjusted forty yard Yo, dash. On that note, real quick, can you explain the difference between forty pounds to like someone like us and forty pounds to an NFL caliber athlete? In terms of like, how, like how much? more it matters to maintain that weight. The, the difference yes. 10 or 20 pounds can make at the NFL level. Uh, I mean, like, uh, it's difficult. Like, like, the difference that 15 pounds makes the NFL level is incredible. Just in terms of the, the density that you're getting in your body, right? You're, you're going to be protected from contact. You're going to have better quick twitch muscles, right? Because presumably you're putting on muscle weight and not 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 sloppy weight. We're talking about true fat. So for Pierce, obviously, he's 6'3". Calvin Austin's 5'7", five, 5'8", five, right? And so, like, there's just a bigger frame to put to put weight on but when we look and like we're like oh austin is a 90th percentile jumper that's great like austin tests well i'm not like like poo-pooing danny's guy i'm just saying when when <laughs> pierce tests 90th percentile on his jumps and he's 40 pounds heavier that shows a really impressive explosiveness in his body yeah uh, and you, when you watch him in cincinnati he's an above the rim player talk about that volleyball uh, background yeah. that ball goes up in the air alec pierce elevates for it that's where alec pierce is at home he likes being up in the air and so when you see that 40 inch vertical jump see that four four you understand that in a class where we don't have a lot of true x receivers talk about that guy who lines up outside the numbers on the line of scrimmage gets off of press gets downfield vertical we don't have a lot of guys in, uh, that do that in this class there's drake london out of usc and then after that George Pickens out of Georgia, coming off an Achilles tear. Justin Ross out of Clemson. Yeah, but both of those guys are even a little bit skinnier. Like they're yes. more like low BMI type guys. And so yeah, yeah. Pierce six three two ten with these numbers is is awesome. Uh, so Pierce is a guy who demands more attention, and then the guy who I need to go back and watch more of because I thought he was a good athlete and he really had a good day with Sky Moore, young man mm. out, out of West yeah. Michigan. His name's Sky. His name is Sky with two Y's. Wait, that's incredible. Millennials got to know why. I don't know why. I mean, you can go ask him. I live, like he, he went to Western Michigan. That's 40 minutes from where I live, so I got to swing by and say hello. <laughs> it's a um, joke. Sky Moore at 5'10", 195, 4'4", uh, 140-yard dash, 34.5 in the vert, 10.5 in the broad, 3 cone of 7, 13, critically also. Wait, those are good, right? I don't yeah. know any of... I don't yeah. know what good those cone are all, score those are all is. Above average. Those are all like, like 70th percentile. 70th okay. Percentile. So it was a good day in the office. 10-inch hands. And so this guy plays in the slot. Mm -hmm. He's an absolute vacuum of a catcher, right? He gets balls outside of his frame, gets balls that are quick on him, right? Like he turns balls right there. He can snag it because he's got really strong mitts. You're watching him run the gauntlet drill, right? Which is where they run down that line and the, the throws are coming at them from both directions. Watching him run routes just looks a little different. He's a loose guy. He understands how to do it. He feels he plays wide receiver because he was meant to play wide receiver. Um, and he uh, he's a, a tough worker. I was speaking to one of his coaches who said that he came in uh, as a freshman running four eights and he ran four really? four one. Yeah. Wow. So that's that's what? that's 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 added mass in the lower half, and that's a lot of working technique in terms of speed. Mm -hmm. uh, so Sky Moore is a guy who impressed me throughout the week. I want to go back and watch this film. Same. I, I totally echo that. Actually, now I'm looking at the 2020 Western Michigan team, which had Dwayne Eskridge and Sky Moore on it. And I'm like, wow, they had 
a lot of speed on that team. Here's the thing about Western Michigan. Something <laughs> in the water, man. <laughs> One receiver a year, right? Yeah. You had Corey Davis. Even when uh, when Fleck left and then he went to Minnesota, Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman, right? And then he left some of that coaching staff still in Western Michigan. They get D. Eskridge, Sky Moore. They just, something about P.J. Fleck and wide receivers, man. He knows how to get them. Okay, so a guy like, either of these two guys to contextualize this DK you, when your next mock draft comes out are we talking about first round guys second round guys where do, they, where, where do um, these guys fit I would say I, like if I had to guess I would say Sky Moore is probably a second rounder there's a chance I agree very small chance he could sneak into the first but I doubt it it's Obviously. probably more of a day two guy and I think that Alec Pierce is another day two guy most likely second do third you, round where do you fall in this whole Christian Watson round one thing the I mean, wide receiver out of North look there, State. there have been he has like the measurables and he has good tape but there's so many good receivers in this class. I'm just curious, like, if teams are going to rate him higher than, you know, like the right. big six that we've talked about. Um, that's my question. Are there going to be like seven or eight receivers going the first round? I don't think so. And so, it, unless anybody really, really lost, like, their stock dropped this week, which I don't really think that happened with any of these guys. No. Um, I don't know. I don't really see it. I, I would see it more as the second rounder. Yeah. Well, so on that note, like, just big picture, if there's, so, like you said the other day that there's just never going to be a bad wide receiver class again, right? <laughs> it's just receivers, receivers, receivers. Does that mean if you're a team, you know, when when it's not last year, right? Jamar Chase is like so clearly this like 99th percentile receiver prospect. When the absence of that, but there's still a ton of good ones, does that make you more or less likely to take one in first or second round if you feel like there's just more good ones later? Scarcity becomes a thing. Don't you just reach for the other positions first? I, I am very strongly in this 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 uh, camp. Where I say I'm gonna, I got like a bunch of guys. I'm gonna stack a bunch of guys. Then I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna wait. Yeah, I'm never gonna feel like I have to go get a dude. And listen, like I, it, it, I was about to say, if that means I miss out on a Justin Jefferson, whatever. But that really does suck if you miss out on Justin Jefferson. Right. The reality though is that Justin Jefferson was the fifth receiver off the board. Yes. And that a team that with which I am intimately familiar had one <laughs> pick before Justin Jefferson Who's that? and couldn't identify <laughs> that Justin Jefferson was the guy over Jalen Rager. Right. Well, they did. They just changed their mind at yeah. the end. And so they? what you have is is. Because there's such a spectrum of ways the guys can, can succeed, the spectrum of ways to get the guys the ball, I would rather be attacking different positions and filling out my wide receiver room with a round three pick every single year. And listen, the Steelers are always a classic example. You're probably not going to be Pittsburgh, but they just constantly take a day two receiver. Mm -hmm. And they feel confident that in the building, they can develop that guy. And then if they get different body types, the different cardinal traits, they can build an offense around those guys. And they haven't been proven wrong in a very, very, very long time. So I like that approach a lot. I, I think that approach makes total logical sense. I think there's also this thing, though, where some teams will talk themselves into a guy and fall in love with a guy and because mm -hmm. they think he's got, like, the intangibles. Obviously, he got the speed and the tape and, and all that stuff. Like... I know, like, there is a chance that that Christian Watson, who tested really, really well this week, goes in the first round because some team just falls absolutely in love with him. You know what I mean? Like, yep. So that's always, like, the wild card, the X factor here. But generally speaking, I totally agree that when you have so many receivers in this class, they're going to be good. It could push some of these guys down a little bit because teams will say there's just not as many... D ed edge rusher is a bad example because there's a lot of edge rushers in this class. Maybe, like... Uh, offensive tackles or whatever you know whatever mm -hmm. the case may be we'd rather take a guy here because we see a bigger teardrop um going into the second round or whatever than than at that position so this episode is brought to you by ebay motors ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusion supply. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. The other thing this where my 
right, my mind just took me right now is we were talking the other day about how it's not just a bad quarterback class affecting the quarterbacks in the drafts. It also affects the, the trade market and everything of what's available. And so as you're talking about all these receivers available, I'm wondering about Amari Cooper, who Adam Schefter reported is probably going to get cut, maybe gets traded, probably going to get cut just to really save $6 million. And I'm wondering, as you guys talk, do you think that not specifically that movie, I don't know, but generally speaking, you know, maybe is it possible some teams, maybe the Cowboys kind of look at this class and they're like, well, we could just get a third rounder to do Amari Cooper's job. I will say real quick, if it's the dead cap on Cooper when they release him is $6 million. They'll save $16 million. Oh, are they really? I get that back. Yeah, it's only six million. That's dead for them. Yeah, so they're they're saving they're saving sixteen if they cut him before the new league year. Okay, I haven't got my coffee yet. Yeah, no. Listen, <laughs> so if you can hear from our voices, we're all zombies doing this podcast yes, right now. Right. Yeah. I was like whispering yesterday because we were recording this in a hallway, and I just yeah. I'm so loud. That Welcome to NFL Combine Week, baby. Yeah, exactly. But the thing about Amari Cooper, real quick on the Cooper thing, did we? Did you guys interpret that basically as Michael Gallup? might just be better and also the Cowboys might be better basically they seem to have chosen they had free agents Dalton Schultz the tight end and they also had Michael Gallup as a free agent and they're like we'd rather have Gallup and Schultz and we'd rather play with two receivers and two tight ends and put Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz a tight end on the field and we want Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb at receiver and we're a better team and that makes us more balanced because we have two good receiving tight ends most teams don't have one yeah so Dan Olavsky talked about this a lot when the Cooper news was just starting to break during the course of this week and there's credence to that idea it's worth noting CeeDee Lamb was the only receiver on a contract Amari Cooper uh, was also under contract obviously and then CeeDee uh, excuse me Michael Gallup and Cedric Wilson their fourth receiver were both free agents so if they wanted to go two tight end set they very easily could have let Gallup walk, let Wilson walk, and then just play Cooper and Lamb. Like that, that would that was the if the whole impetus was two tight end sets, we want a base in twelve. Let let Gallup go, let let Wilson go, we're fine. There's you know something about paying Amari Cooper twenty two million that they're just not not super comfortable with. And even if it's maybe like all right, we need to get under the cap, sixteen million is going to help us get there. That's it as well. But to me, this is a um, they traded a first for Cooper. They probably wanted a tier one receiver when they did that. They paid him like a tier one receiver. And Cooper's a very solid tier two receiver, right? He just, I don't think he's been that like real prime guy who like they feel warrants over 20 million on a single year or over the course of a couple of years. It seems like there's just like a, a frustration between Cooper and, and, and the front office, Cooper and the coaching staff, whatever it is. There's a lot of people yeah. frustrated with the Dallas Cowboys I going think, around these days. I think Amari Cooper is going to hit the free agent market and get the exact same size deal that he had with Dallas from somebody else because he's a, he's a wicked good player, even if he's not that like tier one sort of a guy. Your teams don't count, not the Eagles, not the Seahawks. What what is the team that if they signed him if they if a team that signed him Mark Cooper you'd be like oh my god Jags yeah. New England Patriots <laughs> Patriots Patriots like, wow. Patriots have been trying to figure out wide receiver for a long time have been guy. able to Bama guy and what do we talk about oh Patriots they love route runners right these Julian Edelman you know uh, Wes Welker <laughs> you ever seen Amari Cooper run a goddamn route I mean holy smokes uh, Amari Cooper makes so much sense for what they want in Mac I'm sure Mac also probably knows Cooper as they're both Bama boys um, he can play the outside for them he can play the inside for them move around they're going to use him in great ways he's a perfect fit for that offense he should be that a Patriot a in a minute yeah. that's really good DK can you beat that or no because that was no that's good, good. I, just to like uh, sidebar as the fantasy show for a second here CD Lamb stock up yes probably amari if he does land with the patriots that could be good for him maybe just like a lateral move in fantasy yep. but still i like that idea a lot wow okay that's fantastic okay back to the combine here we talked about guys who did well guys who are there any guys that kind of were disappointed or at the very least yeah i don't know is there anyone that kind of you know so i'd say our guy so recognized guy Traylon burks or actually, I should say it's Traylon Burks. I think that's what yeah, he said. Traylon. The Arkansas receiver. Yeah, how you, how you pronounce the his Arkansas, name. The Arkansas, your power-up mushroom, Debo Samuel. Exactly. So we were really excited about this guy coming into, to, into the combine. There had been some rumors he's going to run in the 4-4. Some people were maybe even saying, like, faster than that. He ended up running a 4-5. 4-5-5, I should say. Um, his three-cone was kind of short. Uh, sorry, it was kind of slow. 7.28 seconds. His vert, 33 inches, wasn't all that great. Obviously, everybody wanted him to be you know, DK Metcalf numbers or whatever. Or Debo. Yeah. Well, Debo is... Positionally Debo, athletically DK. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, like Debo, I think, he, number one, he's like 12 pounds lighter, so he's, and he's like shorter, so it's a different type of athlete. I think people were expecting Burks or hoping that Burks would run like a 4-3, look like DK Metcalf. And like, or like A.J. Brown. Well, actually, he, his numbers are pretty similar to A.J. Brown. Really? So, he, like, 
his so AJ Brown's forty was slightly faster. AJ Brown, I believe, ran a four four nine. Yep. Burks ran a four five five. So like, I guess you can say that's slightly. It's obviously it is slightly slower, but it's not that big of a difference. Um, their broad jumps were almost exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think you know, in terms of like, at like comps, he's pretty close to the AJ Brown style. You have to remember he's six two two twenty five. He's not. 179 pounds like uh Calvin Austin or whatever and so um and the story of like this class is really it's a bunch of skinny guys and they're all very fast and so I think just like compared to that and like relate like just putting those two guys together those those two types of players together Burks there was definitely a feeling of disappointment from what Burks did at the end of the day to me it doesn't really matter though because his numbers are pretty close to like an AJ Brown type number like that's Fine. It's uh, this comes back to what we talked about the other day, where the combine becomes sort of a pass fail, and I think he passed. It wasn't like one of those situations where it's like he's blowing our minds and he's going to go in the top five. It's not that situation. Yeah. Um, it's more just like those are fine. Right. My disappointment with Burks was because I wanted him to be like two thirty two and run a four four because yeah. that would have been like because it's sick. exciting. <laughs> right. Here's the thing. He ran. He was two twenty five. He ran four five five official. It's the sixth best speed score of any receiver here. Right. Yeah. Speed score is weight adjusted 40 mm-hmm. time, right? So this is what I was talking about Calvin Austin versus Alec Pierce. How much mass are you carrying when you do these explosives? So the best speed score was Alec Pierce. We ran a 441, 211 pounds. It's really impressive. Christian Watson, who I talked about with Danny as that as that potential round one guy, ran, I think, 439 and he was uh, 208, right? So you're, you're, I don't know what the exact formula is. It's like weight to the fourth over half of whatever. <laughs> but it, I mean, that's physics. Yes. Like the heavier something is, the harder it is to make move right. fast. Like, so correct. he goes Alec yes. Pierce, Christian Watson, Isaiah Weston, who's on the big receiver out of Northern Iowa, ran in the four fours. Valus Jones, tall dude out of Tennessee, ran a four three four. Tyquan Thornton, four two eight. And then the next speed score is Traylon Burks, right? And so yeah. you got like, we got to contextualize here. Chris Olave ran a four three nine, carrying 187. Burks ran a four five five carry in two twenty five. Okay, Burks, so that's the key point. So yeah. pound for pound, literally, yes. Burks is faster than Olave. Yeah, in terms of in terms of right, that body movement at that speed, and that's what we we talk about when we talked about Burks in that opening podcast. Uh, it was defenders look at him and go, "I know how fast that guy's going to move because he's a big dude," and then he's moving faster than they thought he was. And yeah, that, that, that's that's the surprise. And so the the AJ Brown comparison makes sense there because right, AJ picks up on people pretty quick. AJ ran a much better three cone. Burks is cornering has always not been a bit of a mm-hmm. question. That's where you get the DK Metcalf conversation. Um, and people brought up Nikhil Harry. And that's that's a good example of the floor for this, right? Where Nikhil was a first-round pick. And Nikhil was a guy who was great with the ball in his hands, right? Arizona State would run reverses to this, like, six foot two, 225-pound guy. Like, that's crazy. And they just never could figure it out in New England because he couldn't get the details of the routes right. He couldn't get the details of the playbook right. That's the, the hurdle for Burks, is that he can run a nine, he can run a slant, he can run a bubble. Can he, if he lands on a team where he's going to have to run a full route tree, can he do it with his, you know, limitations and his, and his cornering limitations and his change of direction? That's the question. So we have a nice understanding. Wait, of so that's a very here. polite way of saying he's not a good route runner. Right now, no. But it didn't have to be at Arkansas. It was, okay. it was a, as college of an offense as it gets. Can you learn that or not really? Yes, but it's a matter of how much is the juice worth the squeeze here, mm-hmm. right? Like he gets put in. You know, he gets drafted by the Jets, right? San Francisco offense. It's it's a it's an offense that has some complex routes, but in general, they're going to ask him to run five routes. That's run it really well. Like you want to call AJ Brown a bad route runner? He's a good route runner. He runs very simple routes, but he's a good route runner in those spots. So hopefully, that's what you're going to give to Traylon Burks. If you're asking him to run some Hunter Renfro choice routes. You done messed up, not him. So it's kind of a little <laughs> bit of, of where in the middle are we meeting with this guy. So I think AJ is a great description of the, the ceiling. Nikhil is a great description yeah. of the floor. I think, yeah, and I think all that, I agree with that completely. I think the main thing, though, was just the, if you know, if we're being honest, like it was a little bit of a bummer that he didn't run faster because we all had hoped he was going to be like this. Because it just would have been so freaking yeah, sick. Yeah, and so like, I guess I put him in like the surprisingly slow category, I guess, but like really the numbers aren't that bad. Like as, as you said, with the speed score, it's actually really good. So um, I would put him in there. And then the other guy actually that we need to talk about a little bit, I think is David Bell from Purdue. No, nah, we don't have to. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, was it disappointing? So he had a four six five forty. Shout out our, our, e- our reader, who emailed listener. Oh wow, who emailed us the yep, other day yeah. and was like, "Why is David Bell not going to be a second rounder? What the hell?" And then now, because number one, you can see the lack of juice, the lack of suddenness on tape. No, he's another one of those guys that's just like he's a baller, but he you can see the athletic limitations, and that showed up in the testing. What, what do you want to say? <laughs> so like, you're, no, I'm just sitting over here pouting. <laughs> I like David Bell. He's good at football. 
Yeah. Please do not so look what, at the but testing. This is where I don't understand. If he's good at football, how badly did he test that? But if you watched him play football well, it's like the Billy Bean line, like in Moneyball. It's like, we're not selling jeans. It's like, we're not out here doing cones. Can he get open or not? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right? Listen. I, I, as a man who was a big fan of JJ Tiger Whiteside, second round pick coming out of Stanford a couple years ago, I tend to fall for these no nonsense route runners who have good feet and they're physical and they, they, you know, pry open windows and they win contested balls and they're tough dudes and they can block and then they don't test super great and then they get to the NFL and I'm like, but they'll just do their best and then they just, they can't hang. Right. But they, so, he couldn't get open and he's like a contested catch Artega? receiver. Artega, yeah. Yeah. And David Bell. Can I would say got open a little bit more on film than I think a Whiteside did out of Stanford, but also yeah, he's got a it's, knack. It's, it's it's Big Ten corners too, so you got a little bit of a of a, of a curve there as well. I, I think, think in I'm terms not, of they're not as good as right. SEC or they're better. I'm not than freaking out. I'm not freaking out. I still think that David Bell is going to be a good player. I think the problem is he probably falls to the third round at this point because of those numbers. And, and I, but I still think he's going to be a good player. I think he's going to be a good pro. I don't know if he's going to be that alpha number one that maybe some people mm -hmm. want him to be. But he'll be a. I think he'll be a, yeah. a productive pro. The thing is, is that once you fall into this, he's going to be wide receiver three. He's going to be wide receiver four on your depth chart. We start to get into what do you do for me on special teams territory. Yes. Mm. And David, and when when we're drafting team guys, we like them to have big speed or big frame, right? Because then they can be our punt gunners. They can fly down the field, or they can be quick and small guys and be our punt returners. It's not David Bell, so he's got to be really, really lock steady good as like wide receiver three slot, you know, wide receiver four can play all three positions, can block on offense. Because if you can't do that, you start asking the question of, right, how do we keep you active on game day? We need special teams value. And I don't know to what degree David Bell has that. So it's always tricky when you get a guy who's a below average athlete. He's got to be able to find a role on offense because special teams, it's tough to find that for him. So I think the best case scenario, well, not best case, but like I think a realistic, good, like the nice scenario that could be David Bell. Um, is a guy like Tyler Boyd, who is a possession receiver, just a good player, good hands, dependable, all good that. Example. What's that? Good example. Yeah, he didn't test very well either. He was very productive at Pitt. Um, but the other, the other comp that I've heard thrown around a lot over the last couple of days is Tyler Johnson for David Bell, who... Yep. Who's the Buccaneers receiver. Buccaneers here. receiver. I think he was a fifth rounder. He was a guy that like the dynasty community really liked because he was really productive early on. Overall, in his career, he was really productive. He's size. Um, he has like incredible hands to make like a like highlight reel catch. But the big thing was like he just didn't have the juice as a as a route runner. He wasn't like really sudden. And I think there's some similarities there with David Bell. So that's like the worry. I guess that's another like spectrum there. So maybe you know the jury's not totally out on Tyler Johnson yet. He might have a chance this next year. But so far, you know he's been. Like, like so, like I was saying, like a wide receiver four mm -hmm. in his career. So um, he's, I think, just a very interesting one that we're gonna have to like figure out where he goes. I'm guessing like third round. I think that makes a ton of sense. I like the Tyler Boyd thing because Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd's not famous, so to speak. And but and Tyler Boyd, he's not like incredible with fantasy. We have we're very popular. But, <laughs> Sorry, people. No, but by. Tyler Boyd is Joe Burrow's like safety route. Like Tyler Tyler Boyd is like the the brains of the operation at receiver. Like he's the veteran of that Bengals receiving group. And like when right. Joe Burrow's like a hot read, like Tyler Boyd's the hot read guy. Tyler Boyd's the guy that when Burrow needs to know where to go with the ball because I'm getting sacked, you know, I'm about to get sacked for the ninth time today. He goes to Tyler Boyd. But mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, it's, I can see what you're saying where that's not super exciting for people. We're like, oh, he doesn't get open. He's not that sudden. Like, yeah, okay. That's disappointing. Are there any other people who are disappointed you or any other just weird testing quirks that so, you want to I think talk it, about? It, it was a good segue that you're talking about speed scores because this class in general, outside of, you know, the David Bells, outside of the right. Traylon Burks, is sort of a weird class from body types. It's like basically a bunch of tall, skinny guys. You've got Thornton, who ran really fast, obviously, from Baylor. Uh, George Pickens from Georgia, who is 6'3", 195. He ran really fast. Um, Watson from uh, North Dakota. Yeah, North Dakota State. Christian Watson. Olave and Wilson from Ohio State, both tall, skinny guys. And then Jahan Dotson from Penn State, also skinny. So it's like, these yeah. are like, these guys were all very fast. It was like a very fast group of players, um, even though the timing was a little bit off for the first hour or so, or whatever. But um, yeah, the, the speed score, the actual like weight adjusted, this is just like an average class in terms of speed score. I saw that from yeah. my buddy Scott Bear, who um, basically like, 
you adjust for the weight of everybody and it was like this this class basically falls just right average yeah no a lot a lot generally if we're going to do a little uh quick jargon a little quicker than fast class we got we got we got a quick class nifty little class explosive class not necessarily like you know the burners in this class tend to be guys who are a little bit lighter and that can be worrisome so yeah that's where i think when i was talking about with danny guy like a christian watson guy like an alec pierce right now i'm guessing are going to go higher than people think just because big long fast is is hard to come by in this class right now and those two guys prove they have it so quicker than fast is like Hunter Renfro, like quicker than fast. Yes, he's he's like he's a, just quick. He's not. No one ever confused him. For but fast. that's like he's like the perfect example of quicker <laughs> than fast, right? Where yeah. it's just like he's just darting around, a little in and out guy, and then like quick as a hiccup, right. as you'd say. Yeah, quick as a hiccup. We love quick as a hiccup. quick as a wink, baby. <laughs> um, but once he gets the ball, on who's winking? Yeah, once he gets the ball in his hands, he breaks that tackle. Like, all right, turn up field and go. Is that it? Like that's quicker than fast. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure because you know sometimes like you guys say shit and I just like nod along and pretend I know. Yeah. And sometimes I just need to know. Quicker than fast is a good one. It's evocative. Yeah. Like yeah. I've pretended to know it. Like there are words, you know, everyone has them. It's like I've pretended to know what that means like my For whole sure. life. Sure, and yeah, eventually yeah. you're just like, yeah, what is what does rapacious mean? I have no idea. <laughs> you're not alone. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah. So the other thing that is kind of weird about the testing that happened yesterday is like we were all freaking out and excited about the 40s. And then just the way it, it is covered right now, we didn't even really get to see the three cones or the short We shuttles. never do. So um, that was all, I think that's a result of being in prime time, right? Like in the, when it was yes. in the, during the day, you'd see all the testing. Yeah, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily th- see the three cones too much just because mm. they don't, like they they don't think it's cool. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think the three cones. <laughs> it's not compelling yeah. wait, wait, to the audience. Is, I'm surprised about this because like, why haven't they branded this better? You're telling me the three cone is the defensive end drill. Mm-hmm. And of all the, the all the drills they do here, of all everything done this weekend physically, the three cone is the by far most correlated to NFL success. And DNs are the stars of the defense. And like you can kind of if you sort by three cone scores, you're kind of getting like a list of like the most successful right. defensive ends of the NFL. Why is this not like a thing? The, the thing is they'll show it for like Miles Garrett, because they know he's gonna be the first round pick and they're like, wow, three going, that's a great time. But it's just a, when you put a 40 on a TV for a dude, it's he's, cool. he's like, all right, I generally understand how fast, how far 40 yards are and how fast that is. Yeah. Three cone, you're like, man, you ran a six, seven, nine. How do you feel about that, Danny? So you, it's you know, funny you asked that. Right. It was funny you asked that. My long answer was no idea. But the fact that the Winter Olympics were two weeks ago shows me I have a high propensity to learn nothing. And then suddenly I'm like, care a lot about the figure skating. I'm like, oh right, my yeah. God, are they going to hit the 208? And <laughs> yeah, it's, right, you know right, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. whoa, whoa. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know what this is. I, like, I get a grasp of it. I'm like, I don't know. It's almost right. more fun when you don't know anything. So yeah. along those lines, though, so they didn't really show it. And by the way, not very many receivers actually ran the three cone yeah, last night. Because now, because the prime time, like you were talking about, the three cone and the short shuttle are, are the last drills. So you have run oh. all the routes, you've run the 40, you've run the gauntlet, you, you're done it's, all the it's, work, all it, the like yeah, drills. It's yeah. 9 p.m., 9 30 p.m. It's like, hey, do you think you're running good three cone time? And the majority of receivers are like, no. Wait, I've, I don't know how I've never thought of this, but is the 40 yard dash first? Of the events or last or what? Does everyone it's, do it in the same early. order? No. It's certainly early. I can't remember. If so it's... the 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 players are in groups, right? So that all the, the inflated times were group three uh, of the wide receiver groups, right? They were group three. So most, uh, some groups will get the 40 before anything else. Most groups will like jump before they get the 40. Wait, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Are you telling me that these dudes, the, these timing disparities, and again, I, I know I'm being granular, but like we're talking about two, these things are measured to the 100th of a second. So like... Let's say you've been running your practice time like, oh, I've been getting a 427 or I'm a 430. Let's just say you do 430. And then you do your test and it's a 437. Now, I know that sounds, but like we're talking about hundreds of a second. Maybe it's because you just did your broad jump and your long jump and all your other things. Like, could that be the difference? It matters a little bit. Yep. And that's why, you know, we have the pro days. But yeah, like you, you can't. <laughs> this is you also, can't, you know. I can't believe I've never even thought about that's this. That's why before. a lot of guys wait until the pro day. But the other thing, the other variable here that no one ever, I mean, it's kind of just one of those things it's like obvious like some people just have a bad day trailing like, burks man i mean burks had six false starts before he ran his 40 yeah right yeah. by the way th- this is this is interesting wait, i, th- I wait, found it funny six false starts yeah he was on the line for they a few kept minutes. making him start over there was one moment there when he, i think it was his first or second one i can't remember which one it was where he was getting ready to go he's about ready to like get into his stance and the guy that was timing it started yelling at someone in the crowd because they were in the way did you see this yeah and right. it was like 
that would piss me off. I'd be yeah. so pissed if they yeah. like stopped. It absolutely looked like Burks Dude, okay, was like but- not having a good time with his life, which like that's <laughs> gonna so add time. I would guess. I have a difficult time grasping what a tenth of a second actually means. But like, how much of how much is a bad jump off the blocks? It's everything. Tra- tremendous. Yeah. Could that take a tenth of a second? Could that be the yeah. four? Yeah, four, yeah, four yeah, easily. So he he could have done a four. F- so instead of a four five five, and mind you, that the jump off the blocks doesn't happen in football. That is not a thing. <laughs> Always. Yeah. So if he just Yet. did that better, he might have had a four four five. That's what you're saying? I don't know. Yeah, like well, maybe not four four five, but basically, yeah, like, like I mean, Burks' Burks's yeah. process in terms of of getting the forty down was about as ugly as it gets. He had multiple false starts. He would after he had the multiple false starts, he was getting on the line and like standing like there for like a while and like getting in his stance and getting out of his stance. He had the guy yelling and like. I've never run a competitive 40-yard dash in my life. I've absolutely no idea <laughs> what goes into that and whatever, yada, yada, yada. But I can't imagine that felt great. I've never, why are you guys I've, disappointed I've, in I've him. never it seen this. Like he, Literally, the, the guy that was running the drill uh, is some yeah. NFL coach. I couldn't identify. The Steelers guy. He does okay. every year. And he was like, don't stand there. Don't go, don't go back there. You need to sit down or something like that. He was like yelling at someone in yeah. the stands. Wait, so like why so are you weird. guys upset if there are all these extenuating circumstances I'm with not. his timing? Well, they were six best not, speed score. You guys sounded upset. I think that's upset. the context you have you to bring into it. I'm saying like it would have been cool if you, you want, yeah, yeah, wanted yeah, yeah, to yeah, run a 43. Yeah, it would have been cool. So that's the con- that's context that's important. And it's not just Burks. It's like for anybody. Some of these guys can have a bad day. It's like you go out and you play a bad game. You play poorly. Never done it. Oh, right. We can't relate to that. Never right. Every one of our pods has been incredible. But you know what I mean? Like you, you just have a bad day. You're not in a good mood. You feel sick. You feel down. You right. lack of energy or whatever. Um, and that's, again, another reason. And this gets to why not very many guys were running the three cone anymore. They've moved the timing around. So it's at the very end of the day. Everybody's all tired. You're not. It's not like high energy at the beginning of the day. You're good. You're feeling good. You're like drained. So that's why nobody's benching. It's because nobody yeah. wants to do that at the beginning of the day. So that yeah. is, I think, just something that people were talking about at the combine here um, this week is basically just like, you know, what is the what's the value in doing this? What's the point in doing this? Is it actually good for these guys to be doing these tests, or should they wait until their pro day? It'll be interesting to see if the NFL changes things up and goes back to the non prime time. I doubt it because you're never gonna like take. You can't put that toothpaste like, back hey, in the tube. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Let's but, remove this weekend television product we've built. So uh, we just thought that was kind of an interesting wrinkle. Is is basically like the three cones were there was only a few guys around. Dane Brugler from the Athletic actually posted this. Um, there were two two receivers this year that ran a sub seven second three cone. We talked about that the other day. Like if you're running like six, five, six, 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 seven, whatever, that's like really good numbers in three cone. And that's going to like bump you up. There was two guys that ran sub seven this year. If you go back just to that, like 2017, 23 receivers ran sub seven seconds. But maybe the timer was bad. Maybe it's like the unofficial guy from the comment, but the, in the reverse, he's just I mean, that's possible, but it was just also uh, number one, th- there were a lot more receivers running the three cone. So the volume was more. And... I think there's also the variable that goes into this is when you're 40 is in prime time and it's the thing that we're all freaking out about. We're all getting super excited about. That's what they're spending the most time training for. Yeah. So these guys are training for the 40 and basically just saying, we're going to punt the three cone. And mind you, I think think an important point here that like really gets lost is like a really good athlete like Traylon Burks. The agent can call the GM and say, hey, I didn't train him for this. I trained him for the 40. Yeah. And they like they can just, oh, okay. That's why it's a, well, like, that's the other thing. That's like, the other thing, too. Them. Like the three cone generally, I mean, I, I think the 40, the the form that you use and the technique that you use is very important. It's not like easy. But like the three cone is like a lot. Like you have to run yeah. all, like there's a lot of things that go into it. I think guys a game are a within bit, a game. Yeah, they're a little bit worried about getting hurt because yeah, you're turning so really I, fast and like ankles and all that. And so I just think that like more people are just punting that and, and just deciding not to do it. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like Can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Are there other notes? I kind of wanted to ask you guys about Tyler Linderbaum, who's the center from Iowa. I am kind of, I have been in the camp that, I don't know, I I, I know he's not like a Quentin Nelson level offensive line prospect, but I'm still in the, I, I know that there's like 
as Solik was saying the other day, it's like, well, you take an offensive lineman that high, but eventually they're not as good a value. I'm kind of like, if you get someone who's going to be like an eight-time Pro Bowler, I kind of want that. But he, Tyler Linderbaum, <laughs> yeah. had, I'm, I believe, second percentile in like two, as in 98% of people have longer, of the linemen have longer arms than him. Yep. And he's in the third percentile for wingspan. So he's got little T-Rex arms. Right. So is that, does that matter? Or is that like why he's a center? Yeah. Uh, to me, not, not too concerned about it. If he's playing tackle, Worried. Length matters. Because length matters a tackle because yeah. you're on At the center, island. center, right. I think he's going to be, uh, he's going to be, uh, you're in a phone booth the whole time anyway, right? So as long, like, and Linderbaum's hands on film are great. I uh, didn't see a problem with him dealing with potential NFL players when he was playing against Ohio State. Because just to be clear, Michigan. a tackle, the whole point is to extend your arm and keep Miles yeah. Garrett as far away from you as possible. And at center, it's like get in there and like push someone right, out of Right, exactly. Way. And so honestly, like if it, if a shorter arms help him navigate tight areas a little bit better, I ain't got no problem with it. Uh, film looks great. And then when he gets to the second level, all right, if a linebacker is longer than him, that's not great. But also he's got 50 pounds on the linebacker. He should still move him. Um, so do I love it? No. Is it right. going to make me double check my work? Yes. Altogether, Linderbaum's a real good player. So not too concerned. This, I think this actually makes, it's a similar discussion to the Kenny Pickett tiny hands discussion which is yes this is an outlier yes this is something that you have to think about however he has so many other like elite elite traits like mm. foot like foot quickness strength Linderbaum not pick it yourself I'm talking about Linderbaum sorry yes Linderbaum has so many other elite traits um, and he's so good and the tape is so good that I think a lot of teams are just basically going to be like look we understand he's an outlier but we're willing to take that chance um, generally teams don't want to bet on too many outliers because then you have a team of outliers and it's just, you know, you could find yourself missing on way too many draft picks. But this is a guy. Here's a little background that like gives you some context. Now, he, this is a guy. He pinned. Yeah, sorry, I did do <laughs> I that. Got it. Ah, <laughs> I was there for it. Put it in the jar. The Collinsworth. Um, no, he, now here's a guy. He pinned Tristan Wirfs in high school in wrestling. Yeah, buddy. What? That is... To me, like that is the most impressive thing about this entire like scouting report on this guy. Is he pinned when they were in high school? Obviously, they you know, I think it was earlier on in his career. It wasn't like the only time he actually uh, went up against Worfs because Worfs Dude, was I, like a state champion. I can't wrestling. get it enough of these stories of like now NFL players, and it's like, yeah, I played them in like three different sports every year in high school for four years in a row. Tyler Linderbaum was a six sport athlete in high school. What? I what? don't know the six sport. Wait, that? Yeah. Dane wrote it. Dane wrote it, and when Dane writes <laughs> hold, hold on the of the Athletic. It's law. It's I think gospel. I saw. I think yes. I saw. Wait, we got it. I saw an anecdote where he won. He's so he's from uh, Salon or Salone, Iowa. Okay. And there's something called the Salon Days, which is like a competition where you, at least one of the competitions is see how far you can throw a hay bale. Yeah. Excuse I'm me. That. I'm in that. I'm <laughs> which is that. like the I don't most think Iowa I could, thing. I don't you think, think do. I could like grab a hay bale. Dude, hay bales are heavy as hell. Yeah. They are. <laughs> All right. So I would guess the so six. He's, yeah. he's strong. What are the so six? The six sports have got to be football, wrestling, track and field, basketball, basketball, baseball. Oh, track, right. Four. That's four, right? Base, baseball. And then what? Like water polo? Like what's left? Uh, this man was playing this is like, this is, No, this is like when people on a podcast. Country? When people <laughs> yeah. on a podcast are doing this and then golf. the people listening Ooh, right golf. now screaming the answer are like, it's the closest you'll ever feel to a ghost. Yeah. Where it's oh, like, you're like gosh. screaming the answer and we can't hear you. Boxing? They have high school boxing I don't in think Iowa? That, I definitely don't, don't think, think that, that happens cattle, anymore. Cattle wrangling in Iowa? Competitive cattle wrangling? Don't upset our Iowa listeners. Hay bale, hay bale tossing? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, either way, six sports for Tyler Linderbaum. Yeah. He's got, I, I don't he's know. More, I have no idea. More sports than he's got percentiles of arm length, baby. Okay. Any other weird, quirky notes? Actually, no. I, I have another one again. I'm going to go. Did you see that Ike McQuanu played the lead in a 101 Dalmatians in a play? <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Did you? And he uh, said that yeah. that was his start. Ike McQuanu, six foot four with a seven foot two wingspan, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Long arms. That's, that's the that other thing. That probably really helped for like the, the Dalmatian. Part. Yeah. 310 pounds, going to run sub five. It's a healthy young man. It came upon him. It's a well put together young man. Uh, do, would you guys take him number one over Neil? If, if for, I forget like what the Jaguars will do, forget that. Yeah. If you were, let's just say you were building a team from like an expansion team from scratch, and you had the number one pick, I would take Ikem over Neil. Uh, more high school sports fun facts. Ikem McQuanu <laughs> ran the anchor leg of the four by four for yeah. his high school track team at two hundred and eighty pounds. I think I He's mis- I think I misheard you. Did you <laughs> yeah. say wait, so Ike McQuanu, what did you just how big he was ran, he? He was two eighty running track. He ran two eighty and how tall? 
Uh, he's 6'4 now. I'm assuming he was yeah, right about something that. Like 200, 280, 280, not 218, 280. 280 pounds. Per Dane Brugler of the Athletic. And he's the anchor leg of the 4 I think it's the 4x4. Four four. Maybe the 4x1, four but I'm pretty sure it's the 4x4. Four four. <laughs> like, Wait, what was his speed score? He's going to run. Ike McConnell as a, as, a, as a tackle. He's going to run today, Friday. We oh my God, yet. I can't. But okay. I think he runs sub 5. And if he runs sub 5 and he has an extra 10 inches an extra eight inches. Right. Well, wait, he's probably going to do great because he actually can do the track. He can do the off the blocks. Yeah, off the he's going to have to learn it yes, from scratch. Yes, Danny's starting to figure out the code. Uh, I can't believe there's, I have to figure this stuff out. Uh, well, this, nice. dude, this is a good, like to wrap it all up, this is a good example of why a lot of NFL coaches want guys to play multiple sports. Yep, because fact. you learn how to move in all the other sports and, and right. have different strength instincts. Yeah. Your eyes get trained. Absolutely. Yeah. Volleyball matters to Alec Pierce. Basketball matters to Drake London. These things are real. Wasn't Kareem Abdul-Jabbar a goalie? <laughs> I don't know. You tell that, me, brother. Probably be really good at that, yeah. Uh, or no, it's Hakeem Olajuwon. I can't remember. One of them. Okay, so any other weird quirky notes? Anything else from this week you guys want to talk about? Any picture brand? Anyone else in any other 101 Dalmatian plays or anything? I mean, the, the only other thing that we have been talking about is just the idea of potentially the combine moving next year. So this is the last season that it's 100% officially in... Indianapolis um, next year. I think it, I don't think they've made the decision yet, but I think there's a chance that it could move. It's one of a few different places. Jerry Jones is either going to wrangle it to Dallas or they'll put it in Vegas or LA or something. Yeah. So we, we've just been talking about that. Like it's, it's number one, like I have a nostalgia for being here in, in, in Indianapolis. I think there's a lot of like tradition here. Um, and the important thing is, and I think it's, this is something that the NFL is really going to have to think about is, when you go into a different city, say it's like Dallas or Phoenix or whatever, and everything is really spread out, or LA, everything's really spread out. You're you got guys staying all over the city at different hotels, like team and, and, and media people. Right. Um, it just makes the logistics number one way harder because in Indianapolis, everything is really walkable. Everything's within like eight minute walk. Um, and if you do it in a big city like that, then you have like all these people going to different bars, different restaurants. You don't bump into people. Like you're not sitting next well, to Mike Tomlin last gotta, night we, at dinner. Well, we got to divide this into three parts. There's what the NFL cares about. There's the logistics of running the event. Sure. And then there's what we care about. To be abundantly clear, you're talking about what we care about, which is the least right. important part of the correct. equation. Correct. The NFL cares about making a TV product, which is why they have guys run at 10 PM at night. And, when you move it from city to city, it's another carrot. It's, it's, you know, it's like basically another revenue stream. You can throw it at Vegas. You can throw it at Dallas. You have people fight over it. It becomes a bigger event. You move it around. It's commercials for the stadiums, everything, et cetera, et cetera. The logistical challenge is the reason Indianapolis is great. And if you don't never been to Indianapolis, it's an incredible city because it is, I think it's the most walkable city I've ever been to in the United States. You can walk around all in, inside too. Which is like, Convention yeah. center is huge. You can basically, everything that happens for our purposes at the Combine is really within a 20-minute radius. You can get anywhere you need. 18 of those 20 minutes can usually be walked within the convention center. Scooter. It's huge. and ev But everything's done. The hospitals, these guys have to spend like two hours in an MRI machine getting every one of their joints like MRI, which is, I mean, for yeah. kids, you know, ADHD 20-year-olds, that's pretty torturous. But like, you have to get, it, again, it's a medical event with a bunch of like hoopla around it. The key thing logistically is you have to get all these kids to a hospital. You do this and like get all these things done. If you're in Los Angeles, you got to get them to like UCLA Medical Center. And right. now we're just talking about traffic, but it's true. It's going to just screw things up. Now, I don't think the NFL cares because like they can put it on TV in LA and put it well, in commercial. Well, they don't care if the teams care though. So Maybe we'll, we'll see. see. Yeah. We'll see if the coaches convince the GMs to convince the owners that they care and they convince Goodell. I don't know, but we'll, the overall point is that Within this 20-minute subculture, the reason the Combine, I think, has become such a big thing, in part, is because there is a serendipity to everyone. It's an industry convention. Everyone who works yeah. in football is here. For like Everybody from every facet of, 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 of the players, the agents, the, the team, everybody in the team, the media, everyone's here. And there's only really five bars or so, and four yeah. coffee places like that two, everyone really. congregates. Yeah. And you walk in, and in a room, and you're like, oh, like, you know, it's like there's Ian Rappaport and, like, John Harbaugh. That didn't actually happen, but it's 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 like Mad Lips. Everything's Mad Lips. And if you want an example of it, at The Athletic, Bo Wolf did a, a hilarious... Go Birds. My boy Bo. Uh, did an incredible thing. <laughs> he just sat at the Starbucks, at the JW Marriott yeah. Starbucks, and just wrote about it, and it's incredible. But anyway, I don't know if anyone cares about this. We care. I kind of think this is... Really, no one gives well, a Well, I think the, the bottom line, the point that I was kind of trying to make was that 
if they move it to another city, there's a chance like way fewer media members are going to go because like the value of going for many media members is rubbing elbows with front office people, with, um, you know, scouts or whoever, coaches. And if you're like trying to, like the example that gets thrown around is like, you're like they do in Phoenix or whatever. It's like, I'm not going to like, if I hear one of the coaches, like, you know, whoever, Mike Tomlin is at some bar in Scottsdale. I'm not driving to Scottsdale to go like, hopefully run into them there like the the idea is um it's so nice here because you can just like run into whoever like last night we saw like so many different people um so i think but that so that's just i don't like, think anyone cares about our personal problems but i think we told this to craig and craig thought it was hilarious that we're like oh so you prefer like the small cities yeah, <laughs> yeah. you prefer like the small boring places and he's like, like Vegas. they're like nfl people are forced to like rub elbows with media but my point is, like, maybe the media, maybe the combine will change completely if it moves to a different city because, like, fewer media members will go. That's that's the bottom line. I'd so, like to make it very clear that the value of me going to the combine is hanging out with you guys. I it was the friends we made along. <laughs> really, emails, email time because I can't emphasize this enough. Um, no one cares about our problems. Uh, good life lesson. Okay, we got an email from Ethan. Ethan. Okay. Hello. Your lengthy discussion on how to pronounce the NFL combine touched on a fun linguistic quirk that I've always found interesting. It's a rule that you know intuitively, but have probably never been taught. English has many words that are both nouns and verbs, like combine or address or contest or contest. To avoid confusion between these words, we basically always put the stress on the first <laughs> oh. syllable yeah. to show a word is a noun and on the second syllable to show it's a verb. So combine or combine. Unlike pretty much every other rule in English, I don't think this has any exceptions where the stress pattern is reversed. Sometimes the words are just pronounced the same, but I can't think of any situations when it's reversed. For example, we can combine all the scouting events in one place, creating the NFL Combine. I will address this email by writing down your email address. <laughs> Weirdly, it's called the State of the Union address, but not, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, English. And then Heifetz will contest your claim that you know more than he does with a trivia contest. Wow, that's, that's really good. I love that. That's great. I did not know. I'm that. a little. It's it, the email had uh, at, the, at the very beginning it said your lengthy discussion. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I know. You guys felt like a, a lot of time we talking just, about. We spent five minutes talking about our. Oh no, we have to go to Vegas. Who gives a shit about our yeah. problems? Anyway, Cameron says, Cameron. "Hey, I feel like one of the overwhelming overwhelming narratives about this draft is that it's quote bad." Mm. But I also think it's also clear from your combine combine pod that nobody really knows anything. Mm. So historically, how often have bad draft classes? actually ended up bad so it's a little bit of like um i don't know like two wrongs make a right in the sense that like we some years we think it's bad some years we think it's good but every year we don't know anything right <laughs> and so then yeah. like the good classes end up good or not and the backland classes end up bad or not and we have reasons to explain all of that and then the next year we come back again and we're like wow we really don't know anything but this year is really actually i think strong a corner and a wide receiver you know what i mean it's kind of like uh if if we were to to accept how little we really understand about like prognosticating one player, let alone right. an entire class, right. we would have nothing to talk about. Right. I would just walk up to like, you know, the people that we rub elbows with and go like, hey, football man, tough, huh? Yeah. Right. It'd be very hard to have that conversation. So for as little for as much as we uh don't know about the class and we really try to ignore that reality because it gives us podcasts to create and conversations to have you know what i mean it's also not binary it's not bad or good like it's a spectrum uh, you know shades of gray shades of gray and also I, I think it also underplays how i mean sometimes people are right like jamar chase was like yeah he's a 99th percentile prospect it's like actually you were wrong he's the 100th he's like the he had the best rookie year ever <laughs> right and it's you know right some, you know sometimes people are really good so i think it's an interesting question though i think in to me in terms of the quarterbacks it's where i wonder it's what if the quarterbacks are so bad quote unquote as prospects they fall to the good teams and then what happens if you put like if you have a good prospect to make like trevor lawrence and he goes to a shitty team like the jaguars what happens if a kenny pickett goes to the steelers with a good team and that to me is right. what i mean this to me is like what i'm looking at the whole draft about is like the nature nurture of like good prospects quote unquote in bad landing spots versus what if the good prospects end up in, in or sorry the bad ones end up in good teams okay that's all we got thank you DK thank you Solak thank you Craig for producing this in spirit thank you Lord thank you Lord uh, thank you Santi Gold big fan of them I know I was gonna say well, he's actually doing the producing he's doing the producing <laughs>
Yes. Well, he's not. He's 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 hosting in spirit. He's actually doing the yeah. producing. Well, I know. Hosting right. in, in spirit, producing in body. <laughs> Didn't I say he's, oh, he's here he's in, producing he's here in, in spirit. spirit. Well, he's here virtually in the video chat. Can, hosting can they, wait, in spirit. Put the mic to the to computer. Attending zooming. in virtual. He's, wait, Craig, do you want to say anything from the Zoom? You're, DK's holding the mic to the computer. Yes. Yes, I, I, I'd love to know. DK mentioned that they potentially hired a new guy to to use the stopwatch at the combine. What do you think the vetting process for that is like? <laughs> can I apply and perhaps work? You know, I, I, can I get that job? I'd love to be the stopwatch guy at the combine. You just it? know that that guy right now is sitting in his hotel room practicing with 40s, making sure he doesn't mess up the offensive alignment of the running backs later today. We no, you need, also yeah. know that his parents were like so excited for him and they're like, good yeah. luck, honey, it's going to go great. It's and not like, that big of a <clears throat> We need a stopwatch combine. To pick the stopwatch yeah. guy. We need to test the testers. Craig should be in charge. I, I actually do vote for Craig. Craig would be He's great good. at that. I'll dedicate my life to that. I'll dedicate my next year and find this guy on Twitter and challenge him. I support you because if you don't support, if I don't support you, I think you'll just like, walk off. edit me in a bad way and then I'll make you sound dumb. Okay. Thank you, everyone. We'll be back to you next week. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.